Okay. Yeah, me too. Testing, testing, 69, 69. Um, so, let, uh, let me do the intro, and then we'll... Uh, hey, hey, and welcome to the show. Today we have a very special guest in a kind of part two to an earlier episode, uh, because we're talking about Burma again, folks, and uh, this time about post-coup Burma. And if you haven't heard our first episode on Burma, please go back and check it out. And so we're joined by, let's call him Nyan. Uh, I, 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 we need to be a bit anonymous here, but we can say you're a Burmese communist who grew up in the ethnic minority world, right? Yes. Okay. So, so really, he's the perfect guest, and we're very grateful to have him join us. And, uh, of course, I'm also joined by Samai, who will be reprising his Hello. role as as guy who doesn't know much about Burma, but it's nice <laughs> to have him around. I mean, so. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, also, um, in the beginning, are you going to just say, hey, hey, every time you introduce an episode? Is that your new <laughs> thing? Yeah, I didn't mean to start that off as a thing. I might, okay, hey, hey. I'll cut it. I don't like it. You're right. I, I, um, <laughs> I, I think you're a Moana Thanks. fan. <laughs> Good. I'm gonna self-crit that, all right. No, so no, no. anyway, okay. Samai, how you doing? You good? Uh, you well? I'm 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 happy to be back on the set in the saddle. However, that usually means that um I'm in control of my my voices, but I'm not. What I mean is I'm glad to be here talking to you too because it's been a while. You've been away. Back in the goddamn booth, I have yeah. been away once again, going for my ideological training in southern Lebanon. <laughs> wow. Periodically. Wow. Um. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we should just kind of get into it, talking about yeah. uh, yes, indeed, so, Burma. So, so, yeah, Nyan, do you want to maybe tell us a little bit about your background, uh, what you can tell us? Okay, um, so a little disclaimer here. Um, uh, this is my first time in any sort of podcast or, like, transmission, so recording. So I might make a little mistake. I might be, I'm a little nervous right now, so please bear yeah, with me. Worry. That's fine. No pressure. We're all friends. <laughs> all comrades. Uh, yeah. Comrade. So okay, um, okay. A little bit of background. Yeah, I, I like what you, what you call like we call here kabia, like a mixed blood. Like I have a lot, I have a lot of half, almost half uh, ethnic ethnic in me, ethnic group in me. So I, I won't be specific about it. So because to keep it a little anonymous. But I grew up in the cities, and later, like uh, due to my uh, father's political activities, uh, we have to uh, run away and like. Uh, we live a bit like in refugee camp in Thailand, yeah. So, and although I didn't know at the time, but later I realized that my dad was a comrade, <laughs> comrade too. So, <laughs> yeah. But he 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 wouldn't he never like push his beliefs on me. I think it's a good thing because like uh, in the past you see like many uh, leaders try to take make their children act like them and. They they always turn the opposite way, like uh, like Michael Parenti having a liberal child. Oh, that's gonna hurt. <laughs> or okay. Kamala Harris is bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, so, I mean, so you're from you know good a good kind of background to yeah. speak on these okay. matters. Okay, so you know, yeah, I sure. I only became like a communist out of accident. I was like reading good in the book bookstore, and I was like, there is like a book written by like CBB member uh, about Soviet Union. And I was like, mm. that's the Communist Party, Burma, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Not the Communist Party of Britain. <laughs> uh, and 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 I was like, I never know about Soviet Union. All, all all my life, I all I know was like Russia, Soviet, all the same, you know. So oh, maybe it won't hurt. And once I read, like, Dad, what is dialectics? Dad, what is materialism? <laughs> and, and and it all began from there. Like, yeah. Yeah. So um, could you kind of let's let's try and kind of like what i wanted to do here is i wanted to kind of split the show into a little bit of like a pre-coup and uh post-coup okay. situation, uh like explainer so i mean let's kind of talk about because we we already did an episode where we went into quite a lot of the background on the political situation in burma that was before the coup okay so could we I, i'm quite curious about you know from a leftist perspective your opinion on Aung San Suu Kyi and the nld's leadership of the country and and how how, how you saw them as uh whether they were a progressive force or not generally your your kind of views on them is what i'm curious about so because of the the honda refusing to step down unlike the, like 
do do I hope you guys notice like a lot of like US back or like non-aligned detailers stepping down like Pinochet stepped down mm. uh like uh that that dude from South Korea I I don't know his name like stepped down uh, yeah. yeah yeah like most of them stepped down but the Burmese dictator didn't I I'm not saying like Burmese dictator were like backed by US that they just no. stay like neutral yeah but but yeah I mean they kept a, they kept a presence so so we can talk about maybe the 2008 constitution right since the 2008 constitution was drafted since like 96 so it they took a very long time and they they quickly like finally finish it right after like Nagis, uh cyclone the cyclone yeah. yeah the one of the worst disaster happened in modern times in a country and so it quickly like referen- approved the referendum oh nine like 90 percent approval rate or something like that like because most of them don't even know how to vote go to vote or even both of them are still struggling to get a f- get a footing back after the disaster and and among other things like no 25 percent uh seats default seats in upper and low both lower par- parliament you i think you already know it um yeah so that that 25 percent of seats will go straight to junta appointees so mm-hmm. it will be former military who are now have an appointed seat in the in the parliament right yeah and another thing was like if they want to change or do like meaningful referendums they have to they need to have the approval of more than 75 percent of the seats so yeah that's never going to happen like because of the 25 default seats so so this kind of 2008 constitution was a way of the tamada keeping some control over the country when they at least to the Western world or to the outside world, it looked like, oh, we're giving way to democracy, but this constitution was still in there to limit the power of any future government, right? Yes. So 2008 allowed the like transition of democracy. They were like, the West is finding like, oh, they are changing. So they've got to invest, the capital began to flow. And then like, what do we say? Like that Honda get a chance to like a breather, little breather, like, ha, <sighs> yeah. So, um, policy wise, uh, NLD didn't do much. They are like riding on the uh, their fame in the 90s. Like they were like the first. So yeah, they have like the name. And Aung San Suu Kyi is like a daughter of Aung San. So yeah, she got a name cred too. Like name value. Like a cult, very large cult of personality. Even today, like even though she is doing literally nothing. Okay, I, I might so, trickle. So what? So you know, it it seems like the big change really was this was not the policies of the nld or suchi yeah. but rather it was the influx of foreign capital right yes yeah that, that really changed people's lives in a meaningful way yes like today. people started to use internet like the country like literally like the doors were open so what kind of what kind of like let, can we talk about some of the negative kind okay. of impacts this had okay for, for working people so basically the like unions were not no longer banned like political thought or encouraged like uh they're like university leftist groups uh, and then uh, once banned books like leftist books history books were able to publish i even managed to buy them a lot uh yeah <laughs> i waste a lot of money on the books and um so other, aside from that um working class condition didn't improve much like we we like um Another thing was like the city planning. Uh, oh, I live, I study there. Like I attended university back in my country. So like I was in Yangon and it's really suck. Like they didn't, so how, how would I put it t- this way? Like uh, they will build stuff, but it's redundant and pointless. They can show it like, oh, we're building something. We're making something, but it doesn't. It doesn't improve much. Um, they didn't really solve anything. The only reason they got popular ap- approval the first time was like, as I said, the 90s. And the second time was like the recent 2021. Um, people were like, even though there were more parties like uh, national and democratic and youth parties uh, mm. going into the elections, uh, uh, running for election, people voted for NLD out of complacency and fear of like the 25 mm. default seats in Tamaro. Like they want 
they don't want the military to form like a government. Yeah, so so they they voted a must for them. So um, so yeah, is it because imp- you know, like you said, like working class people's lives didn't really improve under the NLD. Is that because of the po- you know the lack of action by the NLD, or is that because of the lingering presence of the Tamadar, or both maybe? Both. Uh, I would say both, and uh, of course, I don't know much about South Africa, but also since you kind of Nelson Mandela after like they get rid of appetite, kind of remind me of them. Like well, South Africa didn't improve much, you know. Like there were like, mm. like strikes happen later on. Yeah, but I don't want to like make a bold claim because I don't know much about South Africa. But from my from my like outsider view. Yeah, it, it's kind yeah. of similar, like uh, Mandela like went the soft way, as you can see. Uh, interestingly enough, because like the combination of um, basically a, a military presence entrenching themselves in the legislation and then plus a like a center, a center liberal party like doing nothing. It, it, it sounds like a lot of these, a lot of states actually have this like similar combination if like in, in south america this is a thing like pa- like post dictatorships they've they have legislation and constitutions that 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 are, that that come from those eras and mm. then they have sh- like shit parties that that don't really go anywhere so you know I don't really have a question. I was just making a sort of... A, Comparison. A, a, well, it, it kind of reminds me of Prayut in a way. As well I, and then Thailand, I was going right? to get there. And then I was going to yeah. get there. Right? So yeah. uh, what is it? What the, What is it? <laughs> well, it's clever. I mean, it's like this way of ensuring a future for yourself while mm. allowing, as, as an authoritarian power, mm. while allowing, or whatever word we want to use, while allowing these kind of uh, this kind of Western style democracy to play out in the foreground, whereas in the background you very much still have control over the economy, over the 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 wealth basically of the country, right? Mm. Yeah, I agree. Like it, it's not the uh, only thing happening in Burma. The only difference is like our country was really isolated, so no one know much about it, and that that's where like the misnomer like. Oh, we need to support the Tamador. Like, oh, that that's very cringe. Like, we'll get we'll, to that we'll later. Get on to that for yeah. sure. Okay. <laughs> um, so we should probably talk about the Rohingya crisis or the Rohingya genocide. Um, do you, do you want to kind of give a little overview of that? I'm sure a lot of people know about it at least a bit already. Yeah. Even I do. So officially, we have like a 135 ethnic groups. Although that can be a little bit misleading because some groups are like just different dialects. So yeah, they can you can group them in one group. That's why we have like eight major groups. Outside of that, we don't have like we don't recognize Indians, Nepalese, Chinese, and yeah. one of them is Rohingyas. Uh, while like uh, Indians and Chinese can get like a visiting card, visiting citizenship, it's not a full citizenship. I don't think the uh, Rohingya get the luxury of that, and they always like whenever like. Uh, Rakhine State. Rakhine State was have a little. Uh, they have rebels too. So whenever like things are getting a little messy, the government, uh, the junta, the military government will like incite those native Rakhine people with Rohingya. They are invaders. Get rid of them. Like you know something like yeah. that. That rhetoric always play out. Like in the sixty, in the seventy. Like, uh, but of course we don't hear about it much. Because it happened in Rakhine first, and it didn't get reported much. And uh, the same thing happened like in Rohingya crisis. It's basically before that happened, there were already like anti-Muslim, anti-Hindu, uh, like anti-Indian, basically like things going on in major cities. It's very ugly. Like there were like people getting burned. Uh, so there were like precedents. And Rohingya crisis happened. It coincidentally like in the same. At the same time, the Chinese, <laughs> there was like agreement, like Chinese, it's going to, uh, China, the Chinese company are going to build like a special economic zone in that region, yeah. like Jiaoqiu, Jiaoqiu, ex- exclusive economic zone or something like that. Yeah. So most of the framing in the media was like Rohingyas are like illegals, like they're invading. They're not us. It's us versus them, basically. And many people like, supported them even Aung Suji was like yeah us versus them so mm-hmm. so it can be said like Aung Suji being like a Burmese nationalist at heart 
which has some merit. Okay. I wanted to say as well, you know, I, can we talk about Uruatu um, as well? Oh yeah, we are the rose like during that time, like anti. He was Indian sorry. Sentiment. Can we just say he was a he was a you very radical was. nationalist uh. Buddhist monk oh. who was one of the he. I mean, am I right in saying he was one of the main inciting factors? And he was a very right wing Tamada supporting monk as well. And uh, yeah. I, I understand he was like one of the main social factors for inciting this kind of ethnic hatred. Mm. Right. It is it, basically Tamad. He's. Basically, a proxy of Tamador, just like yeah. Bulan Lashui, uh, a rider, but he is formerly a soldier, Burmese mm-hmm. Tamador soldier turned rider, like Bulan Lashui. Yeah, he, he is also one of the factors. Of course. So, I, I wanted to point this out because, you okay. know, like you say, a lot of this ethnic hatred came from Suchi and her supporters, but then at the same time from the Tamador. So, both sides yeah. are very much have blood on their hands for what happened uh, to the Rohingya. Okay. Can, I, can, I, can I ask a sort of historical question that I just give 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 us a, a short as possible answer because I'm I'm sure this okay. will take a lot of context. But when did the the hatred start? Or when did the like the neglect or whatever it is start for the Rohingya? It's okay. One of the things is like the lack of information flow. I'm like honestly speaking, as a someone who lived and grew up in Yangon, I, I can guarantee like that we don't even know our entire city. Is literally our life. Our life is like a little part, like little road, road part. We go to school, like we go to shop. That's all. That's our Burma. We don't know about Gachin. We don't this know about This was during Chien. the Junta era. Yeah, like information was pretty much cut off. And if you want to know, read newspaper. But who is to believe? <laughs> yeah. So, so um, okay. Um, of course, there is like a neglect. That's why people are saying like, oh, we are sorry about like, no, the Rohingya right now. So it's understandable. Like most people didn't even know outside of the community, little community. Most people are. So, so, so it was this like, so what was this like a state made decision to sort of target the Rohingya or or what was, because I'm trying to, trying to contextualize it. Like I can sort of grasp how anti-Semitism rose in Europe, but I can't exactly figure out what was oh, okay, okay, okay. What, what's, what's going okay. on with yeah before before anti indian stuff there was like anti anti chinese already like they was already flipping uh left right left right like anti indian then comes anti china anti indian anti china like flipping all over the place so uh during the six uh, most of the time if you look at our history like most successful people in the cities tend to be indians and chinese there is there, so you can see the parallels between the Jews in the Europe. There, like they are successful, we're not. They're stealing our business, like no. And okay. um, the Rohingya are included in this Indian. Concept yeah, yeah, Indian. Yeah. Okay. Group. I, I was, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Okay, so so basically, Aung San Suu Kyi, you can say like she is a Burmese nationalist because like she hates uh, Rohingya, but really that's kind of behavior like common in like western liberals like they will preach about equality or like uh, rights freedom and stuff as long as it's in their country outsiders sorry about that like (laughs) we hate you like we will put you in camps and stuff yeah that's basically what happened and the most baffling thing was like of course we all know that uh Aung San Suu Kyi defended Tamara on behalf (laughs) at the heat uh the heat yeah the hate yeah yeah um so can we can we then just back up a little bit and and talk about the actual violence that occurred because um it it was really localized right so there were kind of as far as i'm aware there were kind of two major aspects to the to the violence one was like i say very localized which was kind of villager on villager or village versus village of massacres you know killings with machetes burnings horrific stuff and then the Tamadar were also involved in in these massacres as well against the yes. Rohingya, right? That uh, one of the reason, like uh, Arakan Army, the the main uh, army in Rakhine, was reluctant in the early stages of these current fighting. Like they don't want to join in. One of the reason was like uh, they didn't say it directly. Like their supporters say it like indirectly. Like uh, red stick, green stick, doesn't matter. Both hurt. What they mean was like green stick. Green is the color of the Tamador party. Red is the color of NLD. Like green stick, red stick doesn't matter. Both hurts. Like yeah, I 
we we need to understand them like their plight. You can mm. see it. Uh, also, the Western media they suddenly care about uh, Rohingya Muslims. I mean, like unlike in that uh, uh, Uyghur situation, like that, unlike the Uyghur situation, which is like uh, hold uh, on, we we managed to go oh, like we, fifty yeah, yeah, yeah. episodes yeah. about bringing okay. up the Uyghurs. Let's not do it, dude. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. You can cut it off. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so in a Rohingya situation, like there are like a lot of refugees across the across the uh, like uh, Southeast Asia, like Malaysia, Bangal, uh, Bangladesh, India, Thailand. So yeah, there were like a huge refugee crisis there too. So mm. it's, it's a really big thing, but keep in mind, Korean people, Kachin, other ethnic minority treated similarly too, but the West suddenly decided to care just because like uh, the they are doing business with china basically mm. like building in, in stuff with china yeah yeah of course that I mean, I mean like there are other factors too like they have a gas pipeline or it's on such but of course that's one of the factors we need to keep in mind like that the timing was just so convenient i mean also i, I just want to make one thing clear like i i don't want to equate the violence against the uh, rohingya as exactly the same as against let's say the kachin for example because it was a lot more brutal brutal against the rohingya um, yeah. in terms of like mass killings like you haven't of really had mass killings like that elsewhere in the country of in course memory yeah of course i'm not like diminishing diminishing or like yeah. uh ignoring like oh it doesn't matter much no 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 you, you don't get me wrong sure 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 <laughs> Um, of course, so, most people in the city don't know. Like uh, some of my friends even say during that time uh, when, when in two thousand nineteen, like AA was fighting back, they say like, "Why you ethnic rebels are fighting? Like we treat them well and such." And he didn't understand, but he apologized me like a uh, like a month ago. Like, oh right. man, I, I I said that Damn. to you that one time. <laughs> so um, can we then get on to the twenty twenty elections? Yeah. Okay. Um, so there was an election it was actually it was almost at around exactly the same time as the elections in the us if anybody wants to date okay. it and uh the, the i mean nld won a staggeringly big victory right it was something uh, like 70 70 percent of the vote yeah uh even though like i said like no uh the the ordinary people life of the ordinary people didn't improve much aside from like the superficial stuff like getting used getting to use internet like uh, fashion like stuff uh, te television media uh another thing you need to keep in mind that there was a covid pandemic happening in the background like the end the uh, Aung San Suu Kyi got a lot of flack during that time because like her handling is very bad she can't she was indecisive like whether she should like shut down everything or like other asian country does or that's but, nothing. But she still won a huge majority in the election, right? Yeah, that that's baffling, right? Like the un unemployment rose very bad during that that time, and uh, uh, of course, I, I think you know about it. But before the election, there was like a massive rallies and parade, uh, ignoring the COVID safety standards. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, lo lobbying. Uh, what do we say? Like uh, katowing? Or what do you say? Like. Uh, for like uh, vote for NLD, vote for NLD. Like wow. it's like a really big match, like between like USDP and NLD supporters. Mm. Um, so I mean, immediately after the elections, there was talk from the right wing USDP, who are the Tamadol back party, that it was rigged. A uh, voting fraud. Yeah, sorry, voting fraud. Um, that there was voting fraud in the election. However, I think. I, I mean, maybe a little bit, but I, I really don't think that was significant. I think what explains, and people are often surprised by how much of a margin that NLD won by, but I think you have to remember that people are very afraid to vote for third parties because of this 25% exactly. yeah. Um, yeah, percentage in parliament that the military uh, retain. So that people are really, really are concerned to vote for any more pro more progressive parties. There are a lot of very progressive parties in Burma, but people won't vote for exactly. them because they're afraid of the of the military. So yeah, um, like I'm ethnic from the ethnic minority. There were like ethnic minority groups. They were actually mad because they didn't get any votes and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So that's you can see there. Like uh, that's yeah. what you get for being born the wrong ethnicity. 
Uh -huh. so. oh. <laughs> oh, thanks, Amai. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just giving okay. the perspective of the state. Thank uh, you very much. Yeah. I, I don't so, know, uh, Okay, yeah. so I, I want to cover a little bit like wrong ethnicity. Like in our ID card, we have like a name, name, birth date, gender. We have like two additional category, ethnicity and religion. On service, it looked kind of good. Like, oh, we get represented like Quran. Yeah, uh, I've, got, I've got religion on my national ID card. Yeah. Uh, during, during the hundred time, if you go to like apply for a same job, yeah. Uh, the guy with the Burmese and Buddhist <laughs> or Buddhist on his ID card will likely to get more job, uh, get the job. Yeah, there's like a systematic uh, discrimination there. It, it's yeah. a more course, it's a more it's, subtle way of putting um like yeah, subtle, shapes subtle. on your clothes. Yeah, that's why a lot of like my uh, relatives, some of my relatives talk like, oh, they have to change like their religion and mm. ethnicity mm. to get like more to advance more in their life. It's really suck, really. Yeah, it's a okay. form of ethnocide, right? Yeah. Which is not the yeah. same as genocide, but ethnocide, which is, you know, systematically getting rid of an ethnic identity rather than the people themselves. Yep. So let's talk about the coup. So, you know, like we said, there was these, uh, there were these allegations of voter fraud immediately after the election. However, I don't think any of us were really prepared for the coup until a couple of weeks before, and there started to be rumors that a coup might happen, and then lo and behold, it did. Um, do you want to kind of talk about what the official reasons were okay. given by the Tamadar for the coup? Okay, uh, before the official reasons, like, there are like a writing on the walls, like a few months, like after, uh, like a week, a week or so after the election happened, uh, a voting happens like um the the military was like teasing stuff like uh if it come from national sovereignty and security they we cannot rule out like a coup happening or mm -hmm. something like that and Aung San was like at one point she even like uh said reply uh like offhanded something like mm, try me <laughs> try me like Damn. physically yeah so yeah it happened uh that that, that hilarious in hindsight and they tried her okay so another writing on the wall in hindsight was like guys guys like we are too and bula lashwe are like fugitives at that point they are on mm. the quote-unquote run <laughs> they are like on the run but then suddenly like after the election happened like they suddenly turned themselves in mm. Mm. Yeah, like these are like uh, very famous right wing. Ah, yeah, okay. I was gonna, I was gonna yeah. say who are these people. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so one possible thing was like uh, they were like getting themselves arrested officially. Like they make the news, and when the final when the military government finally seized power and established its rule, they will be released. They will be given amnesty. Basically, yeah. yeah. Their, their official reason like voting fraud like they want they need to protect national security basically so throughout the history the military always painted itself like the kingpin that holding the country together or like the protector of the country from the foreign threat classic yeah uh, trying to trying to like uh, give it, give excuse to their isolationist stance like <laughs> isolating the country from the outside world and they their their argument for like the kingpin that keeps the country together is like oh the ethnic rebels are touring the country apart so we we are the one who is keeping everything like secure one is secure okay it's funny because you said kingpin but i know you meant lynchpin but kingpin implies oh, lynchpin. drug running and that's funny because ah, sorry, they did because they because <laughs> that's what they do <laughs> Yeah, they, they did a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, lynchpin, of course. Yeah. So, so yeah, like you said, they, they kind of presented themselves as the lynchpin and now... Saviors. In, uh, saviors, exactly. And then it, my kind of take has, since the coup has always been that the real... There were two kind of underlying real reasons for why they did the coup. Number one was that... Well, there's this um, theory, and I, I think there's okay. probably some truth to it, which is that there were probably going to be prosecutions for the Rohingya genocide. Oh, yeah, and I Ming see, Online, Yeah, and Ming Online was likely to be given up as a kind of sacrificial lamb to The Hague to face charges if he were to resign, which he was, uh, retire, sorry, which he was due to retire six months uh, 
from when the coup happened. So he was protecting his own self-interest. And I think there One is truth to that. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you need a whole army to go along with this. You don't, not just one guy. And I think that, and this is a drama I've been banging for a while, which is that I think it was all this foreign capital that was coming into the country and slipping through the fingers of the Tamadar and they couldn't they didn't have as much control as they used to over the capital in the country mm. yeah can i can i ask about that cuz like the imf as if i recall the imf gave a bunch of money to the country to like mm-hmm. do covid stuff and they didn't say oh you got to pay us back they didn't say that they didn't say like you know you have to do structural adju- adjustment or anything they just said have some money spend it well and then pew! so i'm not saying conspiracy but it's a bit weird yeah, like in my head, like during when when we were like when the coup first happened, me and my French comrade like talking stuff like that, and then like, wait, why did IMF give stuff? And we like there must be a forty chest like okay military at the West would be like military go like no play a because I remember like, yeah. the IMF didn't like officially okay well when 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 the coup happened they they didn't like denounce. The yeah. fact that, that that there was now a a, a military coup in power, they they sort of went, oh yeah. we're gonna we're gonna see how it goes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, that's one of the thing. And then like another sus like sus thing, like uh, there was like forty chess happening. I joke because like they hire Israeli Canadian lobbyists, and then they say something like, oh we want to decouple from China and work with the West. Yeah, so Tamadar like, said that immediately yeah. after the coup. Yeah. So, mm. do you remember what the name of that um, lobbying firm was for any investigative listeners who might want to look into uh, it? I think there's a like an article by Routers. So, you, I think you could. Can you send uh, it to yeah. me? We'll put it in the description in case anyone wants to follow up with that. Um, uh, okay. So, so what do you think about my theory about the foreign capital being the real cause for the coup? I think you're theory is very credible but we don't know much yet there is not much mm. to make about so we i don't want to throw stuff on the wall sure, and sure, see sure. what sticks yeah so uh, um do we want to then go on and talk about the reaction because the protest started after a couple of days uh, we have a good website a good article on our dindang website that we've plugged before it's called february revolution burma which you can check out um, talking about the first couple of days and the initial reaction to the coup. Um, so, I mean, maybe we should just kind of talk about the protests in general because, yeah. uh, Nyan, you and I have talked about this a bit. We have okay. definitely quite a lot of criticisms about many aspects of the protesters. And then yeah. also there's a lot of great people out there organizing mm-hmm. as well. Um, and unfortunately, what seems to be a trend from typically Western people looking at it is to group all of these people into one giant blob, you know, and, oh, this is, this is they're, they're all exactly the same. They all have the same ideology. They're all NLD supporters. And, and, you know, that's not true. Right. Can yeah. Like, as that? I, as I said, like there are multi parties, but when the election happened, people vote NLD out of like fear. So yeah. they, there was like a, something like if you, from the outside, like, oh, NLD is the only party they're doing good or like getting the sport yeah so it's understandable like we we don't get much new coverage uh so okay let's talk about the protest um it's getting hot here so i, I have to ha- i hard time focusing uh, apologies um that's all right okay uh the problem is like the i think i told you before like during the honda times the information outside information we got is like RFA, VOA, BBC, and DVB, of course. But I don't think the Westerners would know much about DVB. It's based in Norway, Burmese language yeah. news channel. Uh, so we have like a very Western-centric viewpoint when it comes to getting outside information. So most people only see like what Americans and the West want them to see. Like they think, oh, Gaddafi, dad. Gaddafi's dead, Libya's good now, but they don't know what happened afterwards, for example. Of course, that's mm-hmm. a closest example I got. So the problem was like, there was like a generation after generation of like a, uh, I don't want to use that word, like white worshipping, physically. But like they, they, they felt like they need to, you know, 
appeal to the West to get attention. Yeah. yeah. And and it's very I, I I don't want to be you know the Westerner criticizing them yeah um, but it is very naive uh, like you said because they just don't they just literally you know like I I think about some of my Burmese friends or my ethnic minority friends and have they even heard of the Iraq War a lot of them no they don't know so you know a lot of people are seeing these protesters some of whom are calling for Western intervention and they're like. Oh, can you believe these guys? They want America to, uh, to go in and invade and turn the place into a fucking Walmart or whatever. No, that's not what American intervention is in their minds. It's not the Iraq war. It's not Libya. It's nothing like that. Uh, most of their conception of the West comes from basically Western movies and that's it. And, and yep. these kind of Western centric news organizations that you've mentioned. And, and even then, this isn't the majority of people. There are a lot of people who do have very good politics, who are very well informed. And you know what? The Western-centric news are not going to talk to them. So there's kind of this cyclical yeah. effect going on. Yeah, like um, when the protests began to happen, uh, there was like uh, the student union and trade unions try to like form a general strike committee yeah. you know, to, to coordinate like basically decentralized grassroots movements. Mm. And then people started to like curse it like... Uh, like berate it, denounce it on the online, saying like, "Oh, trying to steal a spotlight, huh?" Uh, stuff like that, like saying from the like, NLD. Oh, yeah, why are you trying to steal a spotlight? Yeah, they. Well, I think, and then I mean, the ironic thing as well is that the the government in exile, so called, have very much to the to the outside world at least appointed themselves as the leaders of. The, the voices at least of the people of Burma right and and Western outside uh, media sources are very keen to gobble up this right okay another inor- ironic thing is the that when the military crackdowns happen most of the place where the people didn't get cracked down cracked down are the places where the student unions and trade unions are leading the people like they are organized basically uh, can I ask as well, like, I we've talked about this privately, and you and I have, and, and Samai as well, ha, we've all been pretty horrified by certain opinions uh, in the Western world, the leftist Western world, actually. Um, I kind of wanted to address this. These you know, white critical, Maoists. Critical support for the, for the Tamadar, which is um, quite sickening. And um, I, I really, I, I can see how it happens as well. And Jan, you know, we've talked about this. We can see how this kind of pipeline of people like weirdly ending up critically supporting the Tamadar has come about. I mean, Samai, do you want to actually talk about it? Because you're the kind of Western leftist that knows nothing about Burma. Oh, yeah, but I don't have... <laughs> oh, sorry, you're Thai. I'm no, sorry. But, but the thing is, the thing is, the thing is, I'm a Western leftist that knows nothing about Burma that doesn't have an opinion about Burma. Uh-huh. Okay, uh huh. Okay. Very different. I mean, have you seen some of this stuff online, right? Um, I can imagine. I haven't seen, it, but I can imagine what it is. Mm. So, so basically, like neoliberalism is what the Western leftists hate, and we all hate it, right? When a when a political party that basically represents that exists in a in like a in, a, in an Asian or a, or a, or a global South state, right? Anything that opposes that for, to the Western leftist is good yeah that I mean, like, you can see that's the, the point i'm saying that's, that's the point i don't, I I don't want to i don't want to sh- smear all western leftists yeah no 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 no, no. fuck them that line fuck them <laughs> no i'm kidding i'm kidding i love you i love you no. guys <laughs> no 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 i think that line of reasoning i i even have that line of reasoning of course i'm a little bit like conservative about that I didn't like jump all the way. Yes, we should support like Putin all the way. I, I, I uh, agree. Like, so, I, I'm with you. I, I yeah. think that you know, it, just yeah. people that are positioned against neoliberalism doesn't make them allies. You know, there is there is there is critical support, and then there's what the hell is are you doing supporting Putin support? Um, also, this comes uh, brings up something which me and Samai were talking about just before we started recording, which is that, like, for example, uh, Samai posted a Din Deng article about the protests in Thailand that he wrote, which is from a very leftist perspective, which is yeah. like we need to shift this movement into a more socialist yeah. one, and then you know, R slash communism. Uh, yeah, and it got deleted because people said, "Oh, you're supporting a color revolution," and it's like the implication there, right, is like. 
oh well thai leftists or and as well you know burmese leftists can have no agency because they're having their minds controlled by the ned whatever that there, there can be no such thing as a real thai communist a, a, a burmese communist must support the tamadar because oh uh, the tamadar are anti-neoliberalism no they have their own agency they can choose their own critical alliances and in this case literally 100% of Burmese leftists whether they are anarchists whether they're fucking you know the Maoists or tankies or whatever they suck them whatever they've all chosen to support this uprising against the Tamadar and that should really say something but apparently falling on completely deaf ears because they are seen to have no agency by these people in the West. And frankly, I think it's quite racist in my opinion, but mm. yeah. Okay, um, some of my, some of my like close comrades, some weren't like the, as you say, like everyone support the protest, like every left and every like bourgeois, petty bourgeois, like, you know, intellectuals uh, in support. Burma. Yeah, yeah, in Burma. So they want like something like Iranian revolution could happen. You know what happened? Like a communist supported the movement and you know we know we all know who got into the power in the end yeah. and what happened to those communists in the end as well where they yeah. were executed so yeah 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 so of course they weren't yeah it's it's not wrong to like keep in mind about that of course so we're i'm not like ig- ig- ignorantly <laughs> endorsing the whole thing of course yeah. um, i just want to give a pers- different perspective of course um we'll get to that like a class class analysis like yeah later of course the modern rebel podcast yeah someone in my like keep posting that brian barladic uh i i only call him ball fuck because i hate him so much like (laughs) yeah so this is this is the um our our thai listeners would might know him as uh land destroyer or cartelucci oh my god so he's he's been a big banging on the drum as a Tamadar supporter basically or like just completely dismissing the protesters as complete color revolution uh, NED uh, I'll give you some example yeah I can give you some example he he will like show there was like a minor battle it's a minor like uh, the Tamadar tried a lot very hard to secure like uh, ceasefire agreements with the ethnic rebels of course and during the period they were like slowly sneak their way finger their way into like the rebel rebel control land and build like little outposts there here and there now the now that the civil war officially resumed what happened was like those outposts were cut off yeah. <laughs> they were isolated and what happened was, like knu like easy easy prey knu was like and they were like uh, they attacked it basically and took over that camp easily they didn't even put up a fight the, the tamador outpost that those station in outpost and the land destroyer made a vid about it video about it and he said he framed it like oh you see the ethnic the opposition is armed and i'm like can you didn't didn't pop out of the air they have existed like they're the earliest rebels like in 48 yeah like, since yeah and also i uh, also want to say on the moderate rebels podcast there, there were two things that just re- i mean a lot of it really bugged me because he was just completely okay. inaccurate anyway but um two things that really bothered me was number one he said that the uh the ethnic armed groups were funded by the u.s which just is absurd i mean right yeah like, i i've never heard that claim anywhere before <laughs> right oh, of course yeah yeah uh and the the other one was that he said that the people the civilians who were involved in the rohingya genocide were the same people in yangon and in mandalay who were fighting the police and again completely absurd not at all it's cherry picking huh it's cherry picking like yeah picking what he wants the people who the people who were fighting who, the people who were killing the Rohingya, that was an incredibly localized conflict yeah. in that province, which is a long way away from Yangon and Mandalay and wherever. And of it's course. certainly not the same. Yeah, people. as I said, as I said yeah. before, like Yangon people don't even know where the Rohingya were at. So they exactly. were like blindly. Okay, I want to talk a little bit. We've mentioned the armed ethnic groups already. Um, 
I kind of want to talk about their involvement in this because they've been fighting the central government since 1948. And like you say, you know, there's been from certain corners of the world this kind of perception like oh look there's also these ethnic rebels uh, aligning with these protesters who are you know pro-western whatever but um historically these ethnic rebels will pretty much align with anybody who's gonna help them out in any way right so historically the kachins have aligned with the chinese for example uh, where and at the same time the Karen have aligned with the Thai government in past and they've been hostile with the Thai government as well It's all over the place and it's always been all over the place, right? So of like course. for starters, I just wanted to make the point that like You can't pin all of the armed ethnic groups in the same with the same pin like they they don't all follow the same Ideology they can't not paint them with aligned. the same brush Thank you. They're not all aligned necessarily although some are and um and and generally their response has been as well i would say like quite critically i mean not even that critically quite supportive of of the protest movement and you can see why because they despise the tamadar like literally everybody else who knows the first thing about the tamadar um so i think one kind of important thing to stress as well has been the ethnic burmese change of heart towards the ethnic rebels since this protest started do you want to talk about that a little bit like people didn't know like they didn't understand like how how ethnic people are suffering i mean i didn't i myself didn't know much until i moved like to the another country i saw them like oh there are a lot of diaspora in other countries and i suddenly my eyes were uh, like my mind i i know more basically so i now know more and i can sympathize with them and my of course a lot of my friends in the uh, cities were like uh why why are rebels fighting and i explained to them they will they don't get it but but now they were like <laughs> the ethnic rebels are like saviors suddenly right now as yeah. they should been like mm. of course like some of the rebel groups may have been a little like lenient on fighting but they are now some of them are starting to fight so good for them i would say uh, but i mean yeah. there's been it, it has been quite astounding to see this shift and i would have talked about it on the last episode we did about burma how most like you say most people in burma a maybe don't even know and if not they don't really care and it just if you like the inter an interesting thing has been for me like looking at the mentions on twitter of like ethnic minority pages and then like for example um i think i was looking at like the the KNU's Twitter page or something like that. And suddenly you've got all these like Burmese names in the mentions being like, thank you so much, you know, bless you. You're the absolute heroes. You're the saviors. We're so sorry for ignoring you for so many they, years. Yeah, the the, the 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 real like thing people like thank for that, thank them was because like most other people, I mean like everyone is unarmed. The military is the only dogs the top dogs with the guns well, so they're like Burma. yeah yeah in Burma so yeah so uh when they, they the people didn't have anything physically to fight back but the ethnic rebels they have guns so they can fight back so people like look up to them like oh my god yeah and also there's this other kind of perception i've noticed which is like oh we had no idea what what of suffering was like under the tamadar and still we started protesting uh, yeah and now burmese people are being killed oh now now we see now we even even back in the day to the modern times uh if you in the countryside there are like atrocity happening everywhere of course some may be exaggerated or under underrepresented but what usually happened like the tamadar will like get into the come into the village troops will come to the village yeah. they maybe like pull some porters like couriers out of them, slaves, uh, yeah, yes, yeah, slaves, basically, and they will rape, burn, like terrorize people, like force them to give up stuff, steal stuff. Yeah, of course, they will never get reported, but now mm -hmm. it is happening in the cities. So people are saying, like, oh my god, th is this what happening in the countryside for decades? Yeah. They suddenly started to realize, oh my god, we have been so ignorant. And I just wanted to point out one more thing on this, which is that, like, I've still seen some pretty shitty takes coming from ethnic <laughs> Burmese still. So I'll give you, like, two examples. One was the, um, I think he was the diplomat, the, the UN diplomat to the 
from Burma who was appointed by Suchi, and he did a tweet that was like, the Tamada have been terrorizing the people of Burma since February 2021. And it's like, fuck you, dude. They've been terrorizing people in Burma for since 1948. That's a lot fucking longer. And and then the uh, the other one that really bothered me was it, there was this Burmese American journalist and and you know she she's Burmese American I think maybe she grew up there she has a very mm-hmm. American accent she she speaks in quite woke language I don't want to name her but I heard her on a podcast and she says uh, yeah the Tamador has for years been accused of raping ethnic women and it's like that little thing using the term accused they've been accused it's like no. Oh, it's just what it's just an accusation no this is well documented the amount like i've spent like what i don't know a few weeks in total of my life in refugee camps the amount of people that i've met and the amount of stories i've heard of people being raped is just astonishingly high and horrific it's not just an accusation if i if i sort of say something and you sort of tell me how much it, you think it's true okay that, that's because it because what, what I'm hearing, basically, um, and what I'm sure my counterparts in the audience will hear, is that a, a lot of this is... It, I mean, it sounds like um, the Tamado and then sort of, and then beforehand um, uh, the Junta and then all that stuff, they've all been using, like, British tactics of, like, colonial tactics of, like, the, the divide and rule. Yeah, divide and, and conquer. And, yeah, divide and rule. And then... Basically, because that happened in the very beginning, that happened with British occupation, British colonialism, so of then, over time, that what used to be not as big of a division becomes a bigger division, a bigger division, and then all of a sudden, they don't even need to, like, enforce division, it just sort of exists. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and what you say um, about people in the cities not understanding the sort of the, the situation, the goings on about um, uh, people in, in, in various uh, the bordering the states that are towards the outside. I mean, it's it, it is like the idea of um, how when when like Scott talks about James C. Scott um, represent. The, the, J- sorry, we have to say the full name James C. Scott, uh, author of several books. Uh, when James Scott says like things about how the the center uh the valley um imperial the, the cool. valley state the, imp- <laughs> the imperial valley state core uh metropole um basically everything that happens there is separate from the rest of 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 the the polity because it, it they've sort of um the territory exists but they only know that it exists because they're told that it exists. It's it's that Ben Anderson imagine communities type situation. So, what I'm trying to sort of gram, uh, garble together is that it seems that, especially in light of the of the coup, a lot of people in um, in Myanmar, Burmans, and uh, are understanding more about their country and are becoming more um, connected with sort of. Uh, their their fellow you know country folk if you see what i mean country because it's the contentious thing anyway yeah yeah i think you put it in much better word than i did i talk about like isolation relative isolation wrong people on yango don't even know the whole yango you know so it's so don't think about about kachin chin and other far-fetched like the nilai uh they don't know what happened what happens there so as you said like very like isolated pockets like imagine community oh burma pointed on the map like okay this this big this wide but have you been there have you know about it not really what's Just up here what's there? there i have no idea yeah 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 so okay um divide and rule yeah it's really I- interesting like um Mathematically speaking, if every ethnic rebels band together and fight <laughs> the Tamador, they would have been dead yeah. long time ago, gone. But there was no united front like that. You're not. You're not. Tell, you're not. You couldn't be telling the, uh, anyone to sort of try no, and make that happen, been, are you? Don't. It's not. It's not <laughs> yeah. 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 The communists yeah, tried. It didn't work out. It's already tried it's the oh, yeah so um yeah just to finish it out i i kind of something that you and i Yan, have talked about before is that i really want to underscore how the tamadar yes they are oppressive to minority people but i think what's really important to remember is that they are also repressive to the working class people of burma and there is 
of absolutely course, exactly. no uh, they have no mandate and they have no constituency like very like nobody supports them so I mean like nobody voted for the USDP so like even if you even if you want to you know support the people who are against neoliberalism you you still have to be a little bit yeah. aware yeah. of allowing of allowing people to you know make their own decisions most of the people like uh we already talked in earlier like um people only know the western centric point of worldview like history so they think it's like a struggle between democracy versus authoritarianism you know something like that dictatorship uh democracy dictatorship. no um we need to look at like we we cannot forget about the class analysis when it come to like uh analyze uh studying and the military and its class character is like uh i think this line was held by like cbp communist the communist party too the military is a cl class character wise they are like military bureaucratic capitalists because they are bureaucratic because they have like they are a group of military elites administrators and, yeah, so it, it's capitalist yeah administrator yeah they're kind of like capitalist i think uh uh economically speaking before the military coup military coup uh in the 60s the parliament the parliament times the ruling class was like national bourgeoisie fighting each other that's why they they let the military in the background there was like a civil war going on ethnic rebels are rebelling so the 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 central government was like ah give give the Tamil more power if they need to like put put down the rebels you know mm. you get my point so the military grew powerful and they even have their own enterprises which continues to this day in different names of course and that, business enterprises yeah, yeah military yeah business enterprises they they actually managed to establish a lot during the 50s so you can see where they their class character came from like they are just and they are very reactionary so in this battle like we have a lot of intellectual people so they they will be like petty bourgeois and uh and and like a basic peasant the burmese popular most of the burmese population if you don't know like they are like yeah. wage workers so yeah they are very proletarian the problem was like they have no uh i don't want to berate again like people like class consciousness <laughs> they don't know about that uh decades of like political rep repression will do that to everyone like they they don't know like different between classes they all all they only know like democracy good i i don't think they don't even know what liberalism mean they just want democracy so i there is a problem with that inherently like you can get misguided and play by the west like as they want and and the military we call it like a capitalist class but they practice what uh the cpp call like a semi-feudal semi-colonial economy like in colonial economy you the, the the colonizer benefit from it right so basically they they act like colonizers and semi-feudal because most of the economy actually run on like agricultural thing uh, agriculture mode of production and the military funnily enough <laughs> controls every inch of land they even after the 90s coup they, they say something like even the the dirt in the pot we your your flower pot we own it and they, they you cannot buy land in burma you can only buy grants and stuff so it's like a feudal lord but i think i said to uh, some people like we're stuck in the past basically and this like a little brief window of democracy quote-unquote democracy like really open up the uh windows to the people and like people start don't want to go back basically the coup happened like too fast like only 10 years so most of the time people just like protested i i don't want to uh, yeah <laughs> i keep talking down to my people in my opinion so yeah, i think sorry and just that. kind of to wrap it up i i just wanted to say like like you said you know i i don't like using this word naive in the same way that you say you don't want to talk down to people but there is an element of naivety and that is understandable so when you yeah. see people on twitter or online or or in the news calling for maybe western involvement calling you know talking shit about china or russia or whatever i mean let's just consider where they're coming from which is 
decades and decades of being in complete isolation and then a very brief window yeah. like you mentioned of of free speech and being able to access information which is not censored and and they don't want to go back abandon them to you know to, to nothing you know let's let's critically support them let's reach out to them when we can and support this <laughs> uprising because really who who is who they have age these people have agency you know we have comrades in burma and they have yeah. agency and we should you know support them as they like okay right yes you put it well so uh nyan i wanted to thank you very much for joining us and giving us your insight and uh samaya i wanted to thank you for your occasional questions i, I, I was listening i was listening I was, I was learning a lot i was listening very hard so um thanks everybody for listening yeah. and uh we'll be back next week so bye-bye thank you